Yo, First Smoke family, what's good? If you haven't already, sign up on the Patreon. There's three tiers. We don't care what tier you're on. Support the show, patreon.com slash FSOTD. And also, go check out Dr. Dabber, drdabber.com. Use code FSOTD. Go pick up an Excess, an Evo. Me and Biggs are on the Excess. As well as, we got the merch on the site. The link's going to be in the description. We got the Stonewash hoodies. We got the Black Family Reunion ashtrays. We got the Rolling trays. Everything else is on there. All the stuff you see us rocking is on there. And you already know. Yo, whether it's in store or whether it's online, growers, you know, growgeneration.com. Use the code FIRSTSMOKE10. Let them know who sent you. Growgeneration.com, where the pros go to grow, you know? Go switch to drip, grow generation. Without further ado, let's get into it. Four Bodega Boys in the building. Is the guys that wear the suits are the biggest gangsters, right? I want to try this one. I opened up a store in Soho on 109 Spring Street. The rent was like 36000 back then. So I used to be with Bond Dutch. It's always evolving, and we just got to keep evolving with it. So I couldn't even talk to the guy eight months after opening it. I sold it to them for $2 million more than what I bought it. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's First Smoke of the Day. We're back today. It's your boy, Pack in the Build. I'm here with my co-host, Blackleaf. What up? And today we got episode 84, my man, the Bodega Boys in the building. <laughs> my man, Paris, what's good, homie? Nah, shout doing? out to you guys, man. You guys are really doing it for the culture, so congratulations on all your success. You know, I've seen you guys come up from episode one to 84, so it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Man, it's an honor to have you, bro. And your your story is something really dope. I've got the you know chance to get to know you for a while now. No, I appreciate it. And um, it's just dope, man. You, you're holding down for Oklahoma by way of Oklahoma. That's where Bodega Boys exist first, right? That's where, that's where we were born. For that's sure, where you were born exactly. I, 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 we're from New York, so but we like to say Tulsa adopted us. Oklahoma adopted us for sure by way of Oklahoma. Yeah, for sure. Landed there first. And then uh, now you're coming out to LA. You're, yeah. you're established out here. You it's, know, cultivations. Uh, uh, your retail in Oklahoma. Yeah, so we're in uh, Canada right now. We're in Mississippi. We got a facility launching there. We have uh, uh, 500 lights starting off over there. It's a medical facility. And then we got Arizona maybe in the next two months. We're finalizing the terms over there. But California, we got 500 lights started. And another 600 going up it's definitely been uh a lot of work it's been a blessing for sure man definitely in the gratitude state of life right now just trying to take it all in understand you know uh in this ever moving industry where do we fit in and how do we fit in and how do we keep our keep ourselves there you know, it's it's evolving it's always evolving and we just got to keep evolving with it and that's just where it's at with the industry but yeah it's it's definitely crazy times and but like what you talk about what you guys have going on isn't is you talk about it quickly and brief over it lightly but bro that's you know it's fucking impressive nah, and what's you, even bro. more impressive is like your background your history what you come from what you've managed to do in the business world um and just life in general and then and then to see you jump in this and it's like kicking it with the boys and you're 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 into smoking all the phenos you get 
you get how important it is to find new genetics. Like you empower people on your team. I've met some of your team now and I'm like, they love their job. You know, they, they obviously love you. So I can tell a lot about like a a man by how, you know, all that's working out and like, man, props to you, bro. Cause it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see. And it's inspiring to know that like, you know, you're, you're a real dude doing real shit and like helping a ton of people along the way. No, man. I mean, it's definitely, you know, my little story is we born and raised in New York. Uh, Hence, that's how we got the name Bodega, being in Queens, being born and bred there. You went up the block. Every block has a bodega. And then when we moved out from New York and we got the license in Oklahoma, the first state, 22 people moved with me. So I had literally. Which is big because not a lot of people want to live in New York for Oklahoma. No, it was huge. It was crazy. Like I was like batting 10 for 10. Like I called my ex-director that was working my previous company and I met. My partner, which he owns a percentage, we call him the wizard, the cultivator. He's, you know, really behind the grow as well also in just operations. He had six, seven people move with him. And when we came together, it was just, we had a great team. We were top heavy in the beginning. You know, we had to kind of go through those understanding that we had a plan. When you have a plan, you're not nervous. You understand what I'm saying? You, you just focus on the plan and you just kind of tune in and just focus on the plan. And when you have the right people building that plan with you, you see the end of the light, right? A man will keep going as long as he sees their success at the end of it, right? It's just when you, you'll quit halfway, when you see that, oh, shit, I'm hitting a end, end dead wall and that's it. That's where I'm heading, right? But when you see that, you know, you got the right people with you, you got the right ingredients, the fundamentals are there, the work ethics there, going to make it happen. It's just about getting it done. So, you know, we took that time in the last year, year and a half, just working on the plan. You know, what we came in for, we wanted to be vertically integrated. We wanted to be in multiple shops. You know, we wanted to be the top 10 out there. We did that, you know, and now it's just about expanding that platform, the SOPs. You know, there's a lot of money that goes behind the business. And if you're not funded by MSOs and private equity, you know, you, got, you, you don't really have those same appetite to lose the same type of money that those guys can, right? They can be wrong 18 months. They can be wrong 18 years. They're still wrong. <laughs> so, they still haven't figured it out. You know, we don't have that luxury. You know, we came in with privately financed. You know, I have no partners. Every market we have partners. Um, so it's just, it's all our bread that we put into it. We, you know, we took our finance and we took our money from our families and really invested in and believed in the project, the people, and what it stands for. I just love weed. I'm not going to lie to you. I just love weed. I love the plant. I love what it stands for. <clears throat> you go to a hip-hop party, it's all hip-hop people. You go to a rock and roll party, it's a rock. You go to a weed festival, it's everybody in one festival, right? So there's that power to that plant. People can never deny it. It brings every age group. Every I've heard you say it multiple times all the time. So just... Being able to, you know, do something that you really love and, you know, coming from a different world where you have to dress. No, it's not that. It's this is what it is. This is who we are. The more genuine and the more organic you are, the more liking people get to you. It's crazy. If you don't if you stop pretending who you're not and be really who you are, you actually get a bigger fan following. You don't have to work as hard. So this industry has been nothing but great. I'm grateful for it, bro. You know, tremendously. I know it has its ups and downs, just like anything else. You just got to get away from being a commodity to being a brand. 
You know, we talk about that all the time and we'll get into that. Some of the steps we took in, you know, creating a brand. Absolutely, man. And like your, your track record speaks for itself. You've been successful in other businesses. And I, I find that like appealing about your story because when you kind of told me uh, bits and pieces of it and I, I started to understand uh, the journey, it's like coming from one side, like I find that side, I find that more impressive if you ask me, just because like, I don't know, like it's, it's uh, you know, to build a big company and have a, a lot of employees, it's not something a lot of people accomplish. Um, and, and especially successfully and to like have an exit strategy and exit and like, you know, like that's to me is a successful entrepreneur, you know, like that's the whole purpose. You know, honestly, Cody, I honestly thought I wasn't really going to get into the, was good, wasn't going to go balls deep as I did into the business. I really came in and, you know, spent a lot of money into the business because I felt like, you know, we had this unique thing we're in a unique space and we fit this category where we understand the streets, we understand the culture, but we've done the corporate boardroom as well also. So we understand when a CFO or, you know, a executive or someone that's invested or we haven't gotten to that point, we have no investors, but if they had a question, how to bridge that conversation between the culture and finances, right? Because an MSO or, or someone that's looking to buy your company is going to talk about how many grams per square foot are you growing, right? What is a gram per square foot costing you? What are you selling it for? You know, they need to understand we can get you three pound yielders that'll never move, right? <laughs> but if I give you, you know, quality and we built the long strength, so we have to learn how to bridge those conversations, those gaps, right? And a lot of the guys that are in this business, they feel that they're stuck, but no, you're not stuck. You built something, right? Especially if you have a brand, you built an audience, right? Value that, you know, understand where, you know, what, what that does, right? Do a little SWOT analysis of your business and understand where the gap is. And we, as business owners, have to keep bridging the gap. And that's where the magic keeps happening, right? As we keep evolving, we're looking to have those conversations. So I feel like in the next five, 10 years, whenever it is, we'll be able to, we'll be in a great space to be able to have those conversations from one side to the other side, you know, just keeps, you know, Nike stays tuned to the culture, right? But it still is very professional and it has its executives and it runs its business and it's still profits, right? So similar outcomes. And I feel like cannabis companies are getting there, right? And there's a few special people that are understanding it, especially the guys that they're signing deals with these, you know, these corporate guys, I'm, I'm curious to know how it's going to work out with them for five years from now. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know if they know this side as well as the biggest thugs. You know, Jay-Z said it, the 50 said it, or whoever said it from New York. So I listen to those guys is, is the guys that wear the suits are the biggest gangsters, right? And it's not the guys that are wearing the biggest chain. It's, so you just got to kind of understand where you stand in this company and how you're building your company and, you know, love what you do. Keep evolving. Keep your head down. Do the best you can. Put your foot front foot forward. You know, keep bringing breeding. Keep popping seeds. Keep the foot on these people's necks. Right, it's the stuff that they can't do because they're counting how many grams per square foot they have to earn, and that grower can't do what he wants to do where he knows that that's not going to move well. But he's got to satisfy his boss. Well, you being a private company, knowing that, keep it keep it going. Keep dropping new flavors. Keep the culture alive. Keep joining smoke sessions. And a lot of the private guys, we got to start collabing. We got to start working, looking out for each other. 
because we are what's left, right? Like the legacy guys, the guys that don't, I don't, I'm not a legacy guy by any means, right? I, I didn't come from this, like from selling it, but I've been a consumer for 20 years. I've been a connoisseur for 20 years. I'm the guy that will buy any price point that you have, bring it. Like, it was cool. Like you got a thousand dollar house, cool, bro. Bring it by the house. I want to smoke it. I want to know what yeah, it's all about. Which is a fact. I know, I know you to be that. And to me, that's just as much as a part of this culture than anything. No, like most people haven't done much more than just smoke it, which yeah. is totally cool. Like that's the whole point. You know what I mean? That's literally what this show is for, at least is, is for the smokers. No, nah, definitely. Like, so from life experiences, I felt like this business suited me because I understand the streets. I'm a street kid. I grew up, you know, in very humble beginnings. Right. So I understand where the culture is at. I'm a sneak ahead. Right. I'm a, I'm a super sneak ahead. Uh, so like, just understanding clothing, fashion, my background in fashion, and then understanding the business corporate side. Being in New York City, I had 40 locations for T-Mobile and Sprint. So We got to get into that. That's, that's interesting. That's, yeah, because yeah, it's like, he doesn't think so because he thinks like art, like other we shit's hear interesting, shit. but it's like, honestly, it's, it's what's interesting is what's on the other side of the fence, typically to people. And- I know this show speaks to a ton of hustlers, a ton of people that yeah. are in the industry. And like, just think about the fact that like, damn, 300 employees and like just, just all those locations, whatever it is, right? Like it's to think about that is uh, a lot of people have small businesses, but that's not by any means a small business. So it's, it's just cool to hear and cool to just nah, cool to know that. How like, do you get into it? Yeah. So look, we came from like, we were the family that saw every other family go on vacation like we didn't we were the poor family out of the, all the cousins right like just real humble beginnings so when my brother turned 18 he borrowed ten thousand from my uncle and we opened this first shop and we remember putting like fucking sheetrock with him at 12 30 he's five years older than me so putting sheetrock with him getting the store up and running and we got someone gave us terms on phones, right? Very similar, right? Gave us some terms <laughs> <laughs> on some phones, gave us some credit, right? And uh, we went from one to like 11 in the first two years. And just basically having the hustle of, I would get out of school at being 13, take an hour and a half bus, go to work every single day, and then come back at 9, 30, 10, go to sleep, go to school every day. And then summers, you know, I didn't have a real childhood. There's no denying it, but I wanted to see and have the things that I saw my family have. I have a vacation, right? Get on a plane and be able to provide for my family, my mom and brothers. And, you know, me and my brother just wanted to make our household, put a name for ourselves, right? So we just kind of really hustled our way up. We had a lot of good people that we can look up to, a lot of bad people that we can look up to. Everybody you can learn a lesson from. That's the bottom line, right? Good or bad. Usually you become a better person after dealing with a... You know, a bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's a good but, way to put it. Yeah. So you just coming out, come from that. And as I, as the business grew, we kept getting bigger and better. And then for Sprint, when I was their dealer for the last 10 years, the last, I was, we were top three dealers for the country, I think eight years in a row, number one in our market. So they would call us and they would just ask us, what are your practices? What do you do? I just told them, keep it real, man. Put the right expectations. So I studied a few things like Maslow, you know, what kept employees engaged, what, you know, what people look for, practices. So like an average retail life for an employee was 
I think, don't quote me, when I checked last, it was like eight to 10 months was like a retail life for an employee that worked retail. And I think our expectancy on employees was like four years. Wow. So like three and a half to four years. It was just because if you give the right expectations, you told them exactly what they needed to do and what they were responsible for. You, you know, you work in these four words, can and will or can't and won't. And when you start like putting people in those buckets, like he can, but he won't, you can't work with that guy either. Right. And he will, but he can't, you know, I love you, but we just can't mm, do this. Right. You understand what right I'm there. saying? Ooh. So, you know, we, we work in that, that space part. a lot, just being good humans. Right. But when you kind of want to grow and you want to see the magic happen in your company, you got to only work with can and wills. Right. And that's, if you look at any great organization, they got a lot of cannon wheels. You know what I'm saying? So that's just really where, it, so as crazy story is, bro, Cody. So we get to 35, 38 stores, 40 stores. I built my back office to be a hundred stores, right? So I got this crazy team ready to be a hundred stores. And then Sprint and T-Mobile start going through merger conversations. So T-Mobile's buying Sprint first, Sprint's buying T-Mobile. This shit's going. So five years, I can't open up any more stores can't i'm like stuck like they got me at 40 stores that's it like got a back office team i got people for 100 right so <clears throat> i hired this personal consultant um craziest thing is i'm like at six seven stores this is 2010 11 and sprint calls me and says hey uh paris we, we're number one by the way the whole year Every month we were number one. I got plaques, trophies for being number one in every category, KPIs, whatever the corporate terms were, right? But so I get called <clears throat> that I have to bring five people to the seminar and I have to pay 5,000 a person to meet this lady that, you know, was the ex-president. I'm like, get out of here. I'm number one. You know, I got this cockiness going on. You're going to make me drop $25,000. So <clears throat> I get a call from the VP. That means I'm going. And then I find out guys that are my peers that might are bigger than me. They paid 80, 70. So we all have to show up. So we, I go up to this, this seminar and this is five foot black lady in the front. And we're like, I definitely racially profile. Like what is she going to teach me? And <clears throat> long story short, we're in the seminar halfway through all of us want to get out of our seat and run to our business because we're missing out on so much money so this woman ran a 50 billion dollar balance sheet and she was the ex vice president for verizon wireless for the southwest market so <clears throat> came from being a sales rep all the way to vice president having the, one of the largest roles next to the ceo talking to the boards and stock market i reach out to her I'm like, I'm too small right now, but I'm going to come back to you in a few years. So she only interviews three customers a day. Uh, three she only takes on three customers a year. And if you don't do what she wants you to do, she fires you. You have to interview with her and she has to accept you as a client. Then you got to pay her for a large amount of money for her to become, you know, for her to take you on as a customer. And if you don't follow up or you don't follow through with her, she's going to fire you. So that's where we're at with her. So I'm building all these reports as we're growing. There's questions, you know, there's stuff that I'm getting blockade with. So one night I'm freaking super flustered. Like we're, we're in a boardroom full of people trying to get like this one question answered. There's a formula I can't figure. I know this lady knows, right? Because I look at her like IBM. This lady's been through it all. So it's nine o'clock at night. 
<clears throat> smoking a joint. I call her nine o'clock at night because this shit's bothering me that much, Cody. Like, it's just bothering me. Call up at nine o'clock. She goes, Paris. I'm like, I'm, I'm, thank you for picking up the phone. I didn't expect you to pick up the phone, but I'm not going to disclose the name. I, you know, I have this question. I can't like get it out of my head. She goes, what is it? And she goes, what are you doing right now? I said, truthfully, if you want to know, I'm smoking a joint. And she starts laughing and she goes, I'm like, what are you like? I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. She goes, I'm smoking a joint too. Oh. <laughs> so this it's like so dope. random. I'm talking about the power of the yeah, plant, right? Yeah. Like this is a lady that has a list of like, I'm talking about everybody I know in the industry. Our balance sheet. There's no Bro, joke. She's running that for 20 years, you know, and she's, she started off as a sales rep. She's the top of the company. She's got shares or her last salary in like 94. It was like 960 grand a year. Like Ooh. you're talking about like, you know, a serious paid lady that comes with super credentials. So I call her. I'm just being super honest. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm smoking a joint in my car thinking about this problem. She starts cracking up and, Long story short, even when I knew that like T-Mobile and Sprint was going through the merger, I kept on board for five years for personal consulting because I knew that there was going to be something bigger. And I wanted to be able to use that knowledge and apply it to any other business that we went to. That makes sense. But that lady changed my life for sure. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <Fucking> <laughs> dope story too. I almost got lost in it a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, I, it's... It's crazy to see like the 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 most unassuming people sometime are like, yeah, I, yeah, I smoke weed. For sure. You know, and they're killing it in life. Mm -hmm. The stereotypes gotta be killed of this, of the of the of the weed world for real. We definitely gotta make weed cool. Oh yeah, for um, sure. You know, kill off all this negative stereotypes, just well, I mean, it's laziness, inactive, all that. NFL, like, all of them are now allowing their athletes everybody. to smoke weed and Things the top are fighters, everybody, everybody's using cannabis. Top UFC fighters. It's uh, it's 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 gonna make a, it's gonna make that sway for sure. It's it's breaking, you know, into like more mainstream uh situations, which will allow more freedom of it to be enjoyed, and then people to come out and be like, yeah, yeah claim it, and be like, yeah, I I, I smoke weed. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Right now, it's like still. But it's getting there. We're getting there. Now, bro, when you come like out to the Midwest where it's legal, it's crazy, bro. They've accepted it. Like church states. Like you would think like these are church Christians. Like they're very Most religious. Of them use it. A lot of people use it. Yeah, it's insane. Like, you know, the pills are the problem. Yeah. The opioid problem when you go to these lower end areas, it's not the plant that's doing anything. It's the pills. You know what I'm saying? It's all the stuff that they can't this if anything helps it you know you, you hear a lot of like if it has a lot of mercine if you have back pains and you're a cancer patient right something with a lot of mercine will help your appetite loss will help it if you you know you have anxiety there's you got to really understand the terpene profile yeah and i think like they're taking a long time denying it but the medicine's here right i believe that if god created the problem god made it also right to fix it and the plants created naturally you know? yeah so it's just there's a lot of medical benefits they just got to kind of open up to that's really what it is but people are accepting it more and they you know what, what it is they might not smoke flour but they consume it in so many byproducts you know like i know a lot of parents that or that don't want the smell around their kids but they'll hit a vape or a rosin pen or a resin pen or eat a gummy and stuff like that so the market's changing being in the dispensaries you get to kind of really see how the market shifts also it's crazy yeah, to do, yeah. 
Yeah, that's so, true. So you get to really see like where where you guys are connoisseurs. You guys are a different breed of smokers. But if you look at like the regular average day consumer, you learn a lot from them as well. Also, the education process is what gets you broke in this business. Yeah, you know I'm saying it's the companies that come up with a great idea, but it's super educational to sell that product. That's never going to work well. Yeah, it's got to be one, two, bam. Yeah, it's got to be super simple. It's yeah. just, you know, we're not there yet. The education process is really hard. You know, that's where the butt tenders, there's got to be some standardization that comes in here. Like you got to know this much to be able to sell weed. You know, you know, like if I walk into a store, you should know a lot more than I do. Yeah. You know, the butt tender education side of it. But that's crucial. You know, that, that they're not just, you know, pushing some old shit on the shelf or something. Or There's something. a lot of things like that trickles down that's like crucial to these days and how your, your you know, systems of, of the way your company works has to had adapted and fluctuated to attest to the market, you know, and to make sure that you're not having old product on the shelves to make sure that yeah. your shit's not in the back covered up by a rack and to where no one can see it. Like there's just so many like layers and elements so i like like the fully inter fully uh vertical integrated situations like those seem to be you know everybody's basically outsourcing until they can insource right anyways in business so it's like you know if you can go fully integrated vertically integrated then it's you know definitely the way of the wave if you want to stay privately owned there's no other way it's the art of war right you got to you got to be like a full business now. You got to have distribution. You got to have dispensaries. It's multi you gotta, Yeah, you got to focus on your marketing. You got to have new product launches. You got to know when new products are coming out. You got to have production nice. lines, packaging done. I mean, it's just there's so, when you're running a full business and you're not just buying packs and labeling it a sticker and whatever next pack you find, you can label a sticker and sell for it. That's cool too. It's working for you, but <clears throat> you're not really building a business model right because unless you own those genes genetics you own the way that grows you want the consistency in every market right if i grow with this grow in living soil this one might grow in cocoa and rock well the weed's going to taste completely different you know it's just going to be a completely different bud so i felt like to really understand and own the business and at the same time kind of secure my investment coming in that i don't have any backhand investors or msos behind it i wanted to stay private Cause I didn't want the pressure of someone coming to me and telling me you didn't grow 54 grams or 64 grams I'm still learning the business. Let me do my R and D. Let me build the company brand for what it really stands for. It's quality weed, clean smoke. Right. And just a lot of flavors. Cause when you have dispos, you got to have a nice selection of different flavors. You're just not growing one flavor. What's hot. That's all you're growing. And it's a different business model, but having a dispensary, you have <clears throat> alleviates a lot of, your stress of being able to sell weed or, you know, hold on to it. You're able to out offload it at the highest dollar to the retail point. And then those consumer deals, when you run them, you don't have to just give them to dispensaries. You're able to give it direct to consumer. So, you know, it just <clears throat> make sure that you have a plan that, you know, secures you that you don't have to, you just can't be a grow. You just can't be a dispensary anymore. You just can't be a processor. You just can't be it. You have to be everything together. You know, you got to count pennies to walk on dollars now. It's crazy, but that's just where the industry is at. And it's just going to get keep getting tougher and people just got to keep dialing into their, 
you know, I'm hoping that it gets to a point where we can go back to growing five flavors. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I but don't think so. I think the market's spoiled. <laughs> like, people come, they're like, oh, two months later, do you have anything new yet? Like, a new yeah. flavor? Like, dude, you haven't yeah. created anything? Yeah, mom's going to go whip it up right now in the back. <laughs> but, nah, it's crazy. The consumer is definitely enjoying the, the end route of it. I mean... I'm excited about being back in LA, bro. So I used to be with Von Dutch. I don't know if you know about that. No. Yeah. So was that before the cell phone? So cell phones was like my main business hub. I've always had passion projects. So like, I remember being like, I was 20 years old at the time. I went to Roosevelt Field Mall. It's a mall in Long Island and <clears throat> always been into fashion. So I was looking for a hat. Von Dutch was like all over the place. So I'm Googling, I'm looking all over the city. I'm like, I can't find this hat. My friends want it, I want it. So I send like a little love note on the email saying, hey guys, you guys are missing out on a lot of opportunity. Everybody wants your product. You guys are nowhere to be found in the Northeast. You know, I sent them a little love note on my resume of what I'd done, how many stores I had, retail, manufacturing, all that stuff. And like four months later, I get a fucking email from uh, the VP, which was Christian Audejay, Ed Hardy, right at the time. And he goes, come in. So I go to LA. I come up. I was 20 years old. I'm like, you know, I want to take your Northeast distribution rights. And <clears throat> three months into it, I'm, I open up a store in Soho on 109 Spring Street, right between Mercer and Green, right next to Chanel Diesel. And the rent was like 36000 back then. And <clears throat> I opened up the store. It was a passion project. I just love fashion. Christian Order J and the owner had a problem. Tony, Tony and him didn't get along, so he left. So he, it was a non-compete, so he couldn't take me with him. So I couldn't even talk to the guy eight months after opening it. I sold it to them for $2 million more than what I bought it for. You know, so it was uh, definitely a good in and out, but it was a great experience. So similar, same thing with weed. Someone came to me. They know I love cannabis. They knew right away the checkbook was going to come out. But once I started getting into it, I started seeing the opportunity. And I saw like, hey, this is something I love doing. You know, the passion's there. <clears throat> You're going to have to work no matter what. We're too young to retire, right? Even if we say we want to retire, guys like us are going right back into the kitchen uh, six months later. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. But <clears throat> it's just, so weed was just something I love. So <clears throat> when the opportunity came to come back to LA is super special for me. You know, I'm excited about, you know, a lot of bodega clothing coming out soon. A lot of new channels, a lot of new, we're, we're going to take the product and really the name and the brand and kind of really make it a lifestyle, you know, just truly show that like, we'll have some dispensaries open here within like 15, 16 months. So <clears throat> just kind of like, you know, do the same model everywhere. We have Mississippi doing the same thing, fully vertically integrated, got four dispensaries, the grow, same thing in Canada. We'll try to do the same thing in every state, you know, just have a little bit of retail presence, have manufacturing partners, have distribution partners, and then the retail partners in all the, all the states. I have a question about New York. So you're, you're living in New York and your whole family, everything. <clears throat> How do you convince everyone Oklahoma is the next move? <laughs> Shout out to the team. <laughs> now, it was definitely a culture shock, but, you know, it was during COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. So what was easy about that was, was during COVID, New York was completely shut down because it was the epicenter, right? Like it was the worst you heard every day on the news was New York, New York, New York. Right. So when we went to Tulsa, it's like a mini Austin. 
Like it's an upcoming city. Like you'll get a little, a very, very, it's very artistic, very individual restaurant. It's a beautiful city. I mean, it's great to raise a family. And Tulsa was wide open. All the bars were open, all the clubs were open, all the restaurants were open. So like when we came there, think about being like in jail, like being housed up three months, nothing's open, mask on. And you come to a, you know, Republican state where like, screw your mask, wear them if you want them. If you don't want them, throw them out. Florida was really cool about it too, right? So it was very similar to like the Florida situation. So it was a fresher breath there. I think that really helped me too. And they might say they did it for out of love. They obviously did do it out of love. Like I appreciate them. I try to treat my people well and make sure that they understand they're part of the family always. Uh, they never get forgetting through the process. They understand that. But uh, I think that process really helped also. During COVID, just having everything open compared to where everything was closed mm -hmm. definitely helped out the situation. It was just happened to be, it was luck at a time. It's hard to get people to move out. You know, definitely. It's a culture shock. Definitely the best timing. Because anybody <laughs> wanted to leave, you know, the bigger cities during these times because it's just, it wasn't enjoyable at all. No, it was, you were questioning it because, you know, when you see New York, it's dirty. It's super dirty. It's an old city, right? So, like, now you're seeing the rats take over. You're seeing the garbage take over the cities that before the people is what makes New York beautiful. You know, the, the, the culture, the environment, and stuff like that. But, the city's not, it's dirty. <laughs> it's super dirty. Now, now, I haven't been living there for two years. You know, I've been back and forth. Mom and dad, my family still live out there. But yeah, it's a dirty city <laughs> for sure. But it's home. Oh, it's always going to be home. Yeah. Well, growing up in New York, like <clears throat> one thing we always like to cross is like, what was your first time smoking weed? Oh, shit. All right. So for me, I'm going to be honest. I'm 38. I didn't start smoking weed till I was 19, 20. So oh, it was, it, it was late. Yeah, for Real. sure. It was right that's after. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are like eight years old. I'm like, holy shit, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never learned your times tables, bro. Nah. I was around. You know what a fraction is? What helps also is sports. Yeah. So when you're in like sports activities yeah, and stuff it. like that, you're really not smoking as fast as you, you don't know. You got that time. You There's don't know. no time in your day. No, nah, not at all. Smart. So like keep your kids busy if you don't want them to smoke weed. Real shit. <laughs> Real shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Now, but when I first smoked, I was never a drinker. So even now when I drink, it's like on random occasions here to here. I, I like wine. You know, I become obsessed <laughs> with things. So like when I started drinking wine, I started understanding the regions where the grapes came from. Like I almost became like a mini sommelier, right? Like understood like a lot about wine. And same thing happened with weed. Like when I first got into the business, I went from Michigan to BC to the Bay to LA. I kind of met with a lot of breeders, met with a lot of people that did genetics in general, seed banks. So I got to kind of really choose the flavors I like. So some of the flavors you see, like I really got to like, do my own crosses with some flavors that were like my personal favorites growing up, like a lot of Z cuts. So just New York got a lot of it. You know what I'm saying? So we got a lot of those like number one weed for us would probably be pit for haze. Like, you know, pit for a sour for sure. Do people still come up to you and ask you how you brought the piff to New York. <laughs> You were Yo, telling me I'm that. clearing it up. I didn't bring Piff to New you York. Remember you were telling me that. <laughs> I thought it'd be I was funny. Like, what, a year ago, two years ago, <laughs> nah, I never said it. Yeah, Paris is like, Yo, Yo Cody, just in case you were wondering, 
Bodega Boys bought the 50 New York. I was, like, I was like 12 Stop. years old. I was 12 years old. I didn't bring the 50, but shout out to like, I knew you didn't have a cell phone store, man. All these guys would be real upset. That's the, that's the one that would get everybody in New York upset. Nah, for sure. Shout out to How New York. How do you think York. the Bodegas got the piss? Yeah. <laughs> from the Bodega Boys, man. Come on. It came from, it came from Miami. It didn't come from Oklahoma, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but fire though. Definitely like the industries need some love for sure. You know, go show your favorite brand some love. That's why I tell people like just, you know, let them know how hard they're trying. Because you, when you're in the kitchen cooking, you don't realize what the customer, the consumers are enjoying, right? Like you're the chef in it. But getting out, being in these pop-ups, doing these things that we do, like it's crazy how you build an audience and a fan base and people follow you for it and they start loving your craft. And, you know, a lot of people just got to keep still loving their craft in this industry. That's what it's about. The love's what's going to keep you going, striding, and have a plan. You know, definitely have a plan because a man yeah. without a plan is that not part. ever a good thing. <laughs> That's important for sure. You just got to have a plan. You got to know how to do it. Weed's special. You know, the plant's special. You know, each one of those, every time you smoke one, you, that's like, you know, it's a special moment. You just get to enjoy some new flavors. When I breed, I'm always excited about what's going to come out eight weeks later. That feeling is like every, all the other rooms stop. Like it sucks. Cause like, you know what you're excited about what's coming out, but the new stuff that's coming out is always super exciting. It's probably one of the most exciting. You're being in the garden. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. It's the most exciting part. Well, after you've done a bunch of other stuff, right? You get to the point where you're like, nobody has this and no one else has seen this. And it's like, you, and especially if you start to really predict hits, like Pat God's always brings up like the right strain is like a hit song. Right. And you have to have, what do you say? You always say you have to have a hit song before you have an album. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of, if, if you do like a music analogy, it's kind of like for a brand, if you have a hit strain, well then you can be a, you could probably be a successful brand at this point just takes that first hit to then get that attention and then see what else you can do. And then that'll determine how long it's lived. Right. But takes that first like proprietary strain, like something new, something different, something the market hasn't seen at scale. But then you could be a vanilla ice too, though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but I mean, fuck, we haven't even been seeing a lot of those, you know, it's like, it's few and far between For what sure. really makes the cut to go global, like a global strain, meaning I could travel around the world and people know about that strain. Wow. But you don't think gelato made that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think gelato of course. definitely has that for sure. But no one's smoking gelato right now. That's the crazy thing. They're smoking world. gelato with something crossed with it. You know it's a I'm candy saying? world. Well, yeah. It Lemon cherry gelato. I look at gelato as more gas yeah. on the gas end. The 41, the 45, yeah, the old school For ones. sure. Yeah. But you don't see those like that no more, you know? So that's why people aren't smoking it as much. I don't think it's as much as a choice thing. So it's like, is the consumer even really deciding what's in the market? Or is it just all these fucking big production grows? Which I like you, the, the, like you, you, you've decided to go against the grain, stick to originality. And, you know, before we were talking about this on off the mic or whatever, like you, you spend, you're the type of guy to spend like 15 K on some seeds. Cause you know, what's good. Yeah, for sure. And you've been told things and you know who to listen to. 
you're smart. You, you, you know how to put your ear to the streets and like take the good shit and, and run with it, you know? So it's, it's, it's nice to see. And it's fucking, it's what the market's going to have more of moving forward. Cause I, I think all the other shit's going to drown out. Like you're saying, it's just like, I don't think you'll be able to keep pushing. Cause what you're doing is like literally starting from ground zero, building it from the ground up. And I don't think there's any shortcuts around that for anybody. No, I mean, you know your business then, right? Like, you know every position, what it entitles, what it's required to be there and what to be successful. Then it makes it easy for you to work for that person as well, too, right? Someone that's sitting at a, behind a desk doesn't know what's going on in a garden, right? Doesn't understand that it's agriculture. It's real. It's a li- live being soil. You know, it's a living being. And you just got to kind of like really understand it's that bridging that gap. You know, I'm always going to keep talking about like, we just got to keep bridging that gap, keep making them understand what we're doing compared to what, because there is going to be a time where when we want to expand this and take it to around the world, we're going to need to start bringing people in, right? But we're going to have to structure deals where people understand that we, the control that we have and what we're trying to accomplish, because that goal is important, right? Because you can kind of start turning it into DA product, do this, but is that good for the brand, right? Is that good for the consumer? You know that if you think when you, build a brand and you think about the end consumer and what that person's feelings going to be and what their end experience is going to be, you got to start off that way. It's what do you want that customer's end experience to look like? What do you want from the bag to when they open the nug, when they look at the bud, when they smell it, they smoke it, you know, like for loco, right? That alcohol company, they knew they were cheap. They knew they got you fucked up and you got buzzed for five bucks or four bucks and they were a hit, but they knew what they wanted, what their marketing strategy was, right? So if you come in and you just say you just want to smoke za and you want to have the craziest weed, yeah, that's going to be good for a month till the next homie drops it, right? So for us, it was about (coughs) love the grower, love the brand because it's consistently the same smoke through and throughout, like the way we grow in Cali, the way we grow in Oklahoma, the way we grow in Mississippi, way we grow in Canada, it's all grown the same exact way. The formulation should be the same. The environment should be the same. The genetics, the feeding, you know, now you have AI, BI, and you have all this technology, you're able to see what did that plant like? What was the feeding schedule like? So you're able to go back to data and kind of say, oh, this plant really liked it. Even the water pressure, how the water how the plant likes to be get fed. If it's like, you know, what kind of speed, you know, how do you want the drip system to run? You're able to get all that data. So our job is to keep making it better and better and making sure that the stuff that you can't beat us on is quality, quality control, making sure R&D's there, dropping new flavors. Consistently, that's the only way you're going to win. Customers get bored really quickly. So this is like the sneaker business. This is the sneaker business, the music business, everything in one. It's just the same thing. You know, it's it's like you got to have your Air Force Ones and then you got to have your hot releases. You got to have your collabs. You got to have your partnerships. You know, I'm looking forward to working with a lot of different companies this year. I think collabs is going to be big, you know, opening each other's platforms to each other, building each other's audiences, working with people and creating that because we're really not against each other. The war hasn't even started. Like when the big when it goes federally legal, that's when we're all gonna need to work together even more. You know? So everyone's best shots to come together at this point. You know, merging teams and become powerhouses and just learning how to work with more people because yeah, we, 
like it makes zero sense to go against each other because we've all been the ones putting the fight on this whole time together. So yeah, for you sure. know, it's like when that happens, yeah, there will be a bunch of hourly wage employees running big ass facilities and plants and operations, and it will be nothing tied to the consumer. You know, it's it's it, it will be a you know some of these bigger brands like cigarette brands, or whatever. Like they don't. What are they doing? Like what? Like you know, just like. Not that that's a great comparison, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I think cannabis is much more of a, much more of a, like a, a transparent consumer experience where they want to know where it's coming from, who's involved, how, how that looks like For sure. they really want to see deep into it now. So I think it's even going to be crazier than the alcohol industry, like all these industries. Cause like, there's so many more layers to this, what goes on. And it's so much more fascinating how many varieties, how, how people do shit so different, triple stack to like, you know, no till, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, it's just like, I saw there's like so many episode. different things that you're just like, oh, damn, you like, you realize nothing really is the same. So I, I like too what you're saying about like your formula and so if you implement a change one place, it goes in all places. It goes into all places. That's dope. And that's the future. That's how it needs to be. People need to know that too. Like, yo, this is the same, you know, animal Skittles in Mississippi as Oklahoma as LA. Right. Like that's Super. dope to know. And that's what, once you, once you can show the consumer that and for a, a long period of time, that's when I think, like in my personal opinion, you're you're then working into legacy status of a brand because they're like, they know what they can go and get, and they can get it when they need it. And if you're able to keep up with that and like you know in a healthy way, it's like yeah, there's there's no stopping it for sure. And for the people that can't are falling short, and you're a two three person crew, listen, you got to go find another two three four or five person crew, and then maybe another one, and everyone just has to come together, like you know. It, it a lot of it is overcoming yourself so that you can work with other people yeah man you just got to get over the ego and you got to be realistic about it and just got to understand that you know if you love what you do if it makes sense you know, write it down go for it you know that's where it's at you know just opening your audience not wondering if they're going to benefit people start counting what they're benefiting or they're benefiting and too much of that just take a chance you took a chance. You're in episode 84 today. You know what I'm saying? So you guys took a chance. And, you know, you took away from your personal life with how you made money to come out and take time out, rent, you know, to launch this. You took a chance. And look, what it's become like a worldwide platform. So I tell everybody else, take a chance. You know, believe in yourself. You know, build a system. You know, that if today no investor came in to save you, can you feed your family? Can you pay all the bills? And how, what does that look like? What do you need for that? So if you need to be vertically integrated, have your own forms, buy your real estate, you know, secure yourself in other ways where you have lifelines. So you don't have to be at the mercy of that guy. Get the deal that you want at the terms you want it, right? And that groundwork is necessary. You know, we did over 90 pop-ups in two years. We're, we're only a, a 21-month-old company. So, you know, to... How many stores are you guys in just Oklahoma? So we have four in Tulsa and then two in Canada right now in Toronto. But how many retail stores are you in? Oh, the Bodega uh, Boys? 425, 430. 
and the way you operate and like scale scares a lot of people off but you would like you're like ah it's nothing which what what do you think where does that come from i just think that comes from new york just just in general we're just built different man i'm sorry i don't mean to say that it's a a big like when you're when you're walking around every day and you're just seeing big ass fucking buildings around you and whatever all this stuff going on you have no option but to think you don't want to you know thinking small is like everything's in perspective like look how big these buildings are yeah just everything around you like versus you come from from florida or somewhere like in the middle of nowhere it stops it I just think you of it this way. Think big enough because the big guy is the guy that owns the insurance company in the town. For sure. Or a construction company. For sure. And he's making 300 grand, 400 grand a year. And everyone's like, he's rich. Right. And then you fuck around and you go to Miami, LA, or New York and you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah. this is like, you know, this is billionaire rich out here. Totally different than millionaire rich. It's like you're going to put the same 10 hours a day to make X, right? So you put that 10 hours to make x times 10 it's the same you know it's the same workforce that's going to go into it right it's discipline motivation is temporary and people kind of really look at motivation and say oh i'm not motivated what's going to motivate you it was a rolls royce it was this it was that now you had that now you did that what's going to motivate you next that's discipline it's about knowing every single day you got to come in you got to do what you got to do right there's going to be good days bad days but if you put one step forward 365 days later, it's going to be something different. And, you know, when you get older, you've been through some things in life, you've been through some motions, you know, and you've ran some businesses and you've had employees, you kind of just believe in what you're doing. Because if it doesn't seem right, you'll know it, right? The numbers will show it. Everything will show it. Your people will start leaving. Yeah, It just all starts crumbling. So if you just got to stay on top of your business, you just got to know that, hey, Build a plan that makes sense. Be vertically integrated. Be in a lot of stores. Build good relationships. This business is all relationship driven. People don't realize how far that goes, right? And now, before the plug or the guy that was a grower or the per, they were they had value. They got no value right now. It's the you know the middleman's got all the value, and the dispensaries have the buying power. So you just have to understand relationships. You know, being a good person, doing business with integrity. You know, not clean packs, make sure that you're not trying to pull one away, customer services there. Bring the same environment that any other business is required to to run under into cannabis, and you got a real business, right? So the same fundamentals, it takes 7-Eleven or, or Dunkin' Donuts or a big franchise, it takes them to run. Bring those fundamentals. You got to have a marketing team. You got to have softwares. You got to have, you know, IT. You got to have... HR, you got to have all these things. You got to be recruiting talent. You got to have, you got to make sure that you're acknowledging talent, you know? So you just got to make, you have to run your business like a real business now. It's, it's a real business. It's, it's no longer, I'm just a good grower and I great, grow great weed now. So where's your audience? You got to keep doing every part of the business. You got to own it. You know, and it's, it's a fundamental business. Definitely. It's getting more, it's getting more challenging day by day, but it's beautiful. At the end of the day, you make money on trees. You know, <laughs> no one else does. And it's not really about the money. It's about the weed. It's the culture. I love what I do, bro. I wake up every single day. I love what I do. 
Like I, I'll always say, I love being a bodega boy. I love being around people for the culture. I think the people in this space are super awesome. You know, when you meet some of the people that have been in this space 15 years, to be in a space for 15 years and to be in this space in particular 15 years, you can't be in this space if you're not a real businessman. You know what I'm saying? On some real stuff. Like there's some people that have been doing this for a long time that have great reputations, have great, you know, they built that just like anywhere else. So it's, it's curious. I'm curious to see how New York comes out. You know, I want to go back home definitely to see, check that out too. It's a crazy that I left New York two years later. It's pumping people smoking everywhere. You know, there's lounges, there's dispensaries on every block, you know? So, <laughs> but, you know, the people have spoken in New York. Yeah, for sure. Fucking, it's a go for weed. Yeah, it's crazy for. right now. It's nuts to see New York. I'm happy to, that, you know, they're inspiring it. We're part, we're part of prohibition. Just being from New York, representing where I'm from, to be able to bring it to different cities and to be able to still have the New York vibe to it and Cali, uh, to bring some of the Cali culture being in Mecca. It's crazy. It's insane. I'm, I'm in gratitude and bless, blessing stage right now, bro. I'm always, I feel like I'm blessed beyond words, bro. I'm always grateful for the opportunities. Everything so far has been super organic. Like I haven't really, you know, come into a situation when I needed something somehow that person shows up, that contact comes up and it's just been in that type of state in life right now. You know, it's been great. It's been awesome. Yo, what up? It's Blackleaf. I'm here at Grow Generation, and guess what? Drip Hydro storming the market. All the best growers I know are switching to it. And guess what? There's a reason because it's preserving terps. I keep hearing that preserving terps, and that's why we're here with Sunshine Facility Advisor, Facility Manager, overall the man with Drip Hydro. Listen to why it's different, man. What's going on, guys? Sunny here with Drip Hydro. Thing is, at the end of the day, we just wanted to make a simple, clean, cost-effective nutrient line that nobody is really seen on the market right now. Nobody uses really our chelation formulas, uh, the micronutrients that we have pulled to make this line is really just what makes it overall bringing that consistency and quality back to what we want to see in growing herb again and overall at the end of the day it's still really light on your wallet it's a five-part nutrient line and again if you're not staying sterile or you have a big facility and you don't want to run rock wool and you want to run a mix of cocoa with an enzyme or something you don't even have to run flow with it so at the end of the day it's just saving you money on your wallet while bringing the consistency and the quality of terps back we wanted to bring the terps back and bring the soul back to grow versatility cost effective and quality i mean what else can you ask for drip hydro first smoke of the day blackleaf approved peace Yo, we're right here downtown la at the grow generation where the pros go to grow and if you didn't already know whether you come in store like us or you go shop online growgeneration.com use the code first smoke 10 make sure you come check it out come check out the drip hydro and everything else we appreciate you guys. We already know. inside. Yo, what's up, First Smoke family? Want to take a second to remind you guys we appreciate your support for hopping on the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash FSOTD. We got brand new shows that have been hitting. They're exclusive to Patreon. You won't see them anywhere else. Make sure you get on Patreon. Support the show. Join the family. We got in-person events and much, much, much more. This is a real community, and we show a lot of love. And also, shout out to Dr. Dabber. We got a lot of things we're about to unveil, a lot of things we're about to roll out. Go get you an excess. That's what me and Biggs are smoking on. We're smoking that excess, Dr. Dabber excess, and use code FSOTD for 15% off, drdabber.com. We appreciate you guys. Peace. From a cultivation side, how do you build those relationships with uh, other shops to get in 
over 400 <laughs> accounts. I mean, that's that's a huge amount of accounts. No, that's great, man. It's first first thing you have to do is, you know, that's the first step. Create your brand, right? When people like I said, I, when I walked into the market, I saw like how they were leaving weed. They were leaving it in like a little jar, a little mylar. You just by putting a sticker, putting a brand in there, that went a far way. And then you know, making brochures putting your lineage of what your weed is, right? What the effects are, the mood swings are. So those things were the things that people weren't doing. So when we came in, I, I was the last person there. I got my license and we were one of the last companies to really open up like as a big brand. And uh, I saw all the openings and the gap, what people were doing, how they were operating the dispensaries, how people were dropping off. So you ha it's once again, you have to go in with product, your butt tenders are your biggest advocates. You know, people take butt tenders for granted. They're your biggest advocates. You know, they're the ones that are <clears throat> telling the owner, the purchasing group, they're the ones that are moving the product. So educate them, give them samples, you know, do smoke sessions, go out to like different places. You know, it doesn't take a lot for potheads to get together. You know what I'm saying? If you take a little, bring a little weed, have a little food there, bring everybody in, let them smoke it. And then truly stand behind what you're growing. You know, don't, you can't fake sell anymore, bro. You, there's no more, you can sell them once. If there wasn't, the product wasn't good, the consumer didn't like it, they're not bringing you back in the store. So you gotta be good at your craft. There's no shying away from that. Secondly, you gotta be relationship building, but pay a lot of attention to the bud tenders. You know, those are the real winners. Those are the people that go and deal with the customer. Anybody that's consumer facing, is your most important person to the business because they're a direct extension of you, right? How do you want them to represent you? What do you want them to know about your brand? What do you, what makes you different from X, Y, Z? You know, so those are, those are the things like you, you walk into a butt tender, like what are people asking for? Uh, we don't have enough sativas. So what are you going to go with the owner with? You're going to fill that gap, right? And you're going to go in right away with sativas. You're going to go understand that, Hey, you don't have, this right and a lot of people were buying for thc levels we never grew for thc levels i never cared about thc levels we always stayed true to the terps so for us it was always about if we were hitting over 1.5 to 3 percent in terps we were doing good you know so that was really important for us so the thc was secondary you know as it should be yeah and i think people are getting more educated about that as well too but the education, I told you again, is super expensive, bro. It's like, <laughs> you got to educate the customer. They're looking at the highest number and say, that's the fire. That's the fire. That's 36, 37. And if you look at the labs, bro, like some of the labs, they'll tell you they can be off by 7% on the bottom. You know what I'm saying? So you could be 7% up or 7% down, you know, so on, on the lab reports. That and stuff would be like, like somewhere to go into a bar and you're like, oh, I drink gin and tonic or I drink vodka cranberry. And then you're like, well, which, which vodka you want? And you're like, whatever the one that is the highest in alcohol. I've never heard that. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, that's crazy. You're right. Yeah, you want the best tasting. <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah, best sure, tasting. For sure. The and you want the cleanest effects yeah, without, for, with the least downside. Yeah, for sure. That's what people want, you know, like yeah. generally. So, and no one really goes, you know, the college days where you're drinking shitty beers. No one really goes back to that if they like got on to like better stuff. Everclear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me a shot of Everclear. I don't know, dude. 
but no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, who goes floor. back to that? That's no, like some nobody. Yeah, no, no. Once you know better, it's like you'll do better as long as you can. You know, for sure. I mean, Terps. Terps is everything, bro. It seriously is. People will get back to it. What's your favorite weed in soil? Rockwell, cocoa. What do you like? Ooh, oh, this man. guy's biased Start right here. Debate. I'm pretty biased. I like hydro. I like uh, you know Brodan uh, hydroponic. I like hydroponic for the first week or two. Rock. I just feel like the shelf life's not there on hydroponic. This is the thing. You have to use quality inputs. And right now, a lot of the industry is going towards cheaper inputs and also then also doing hydro. And it's like you're taking away what creates terpenes, what creates the flower. So I just think right now, a lot of it is going back to the old days where you got to have your recipe together. You got to have a certain recipe that you know produces a certain quality product that you can rely on. And whether you use cheaper inputs and then a bunch of extra stuff or whether you go into it saying okay we're going to use 80 percent organic or all organic inputs or however you decide to go into it i think that's the most important part and then secondary is the me the medium right now right because like I'm, I'm smoking fire out of soil cocoa hydro but at the same time the ones that are always smoking i find out use the most quality inputs or have figured out their recipe it's like right now, a lot of grows are trying to figure out their recipe. Cause it takes a while to grow, like to dial into a strain and just like anything else, right? Like someone does really good scotch or someone does whiskey. We're kind of doing like growing everything, right? So like a certain strain, there'll be certain growers that just crush it. Cause they've learned the strain, the recipe. And you know, you get like this business really taught me how much you have to appreciate science, right? like the VPD measurements and all that stuff. I'm not by no means a, a head grower or any of that stuff, but I'm in the garden every single day. I can feel the plants. I can tell when they're happy, when they're unhappy, or there's something off or what's going on with that. Oh, that looks beautiful. Cause when you're in there 24 seven, you're in a garden, like my daily ritual, like I walk in, the first thing I do is I walk to the garden, walk into each room, each rack, get to really see what the plants are doing, how they've progressed. And then when you come from like a weekend, like if you say you were in the garden on a Friday and then you come back on a Monday, Tuesday, you really see the progression and it's like mind blowing. And then when that gets uh, closer to that eight week time, the nine week time that when it's time to harvest, you know, you get to really see where that plant came into, where the color's coming in, where is the terpene profile. Oh, this is crazy. It's frosted out. Like, you know, you get, and you get to touch all the buds, get to smell all the terpenes. It's special because each plant is so unique. You know, I'm, I'm super excited about a lot of the flavors we're coming out with this year. Like we got another breeding project. Or I told you like two years back, we took that 360 lights and we turned it into a full breeding project. Like when the business turned around and we saw that there was more flavors required. You just couldn't grow five, six flavors. I saw it a year or two before everybody. I do give myself that, like I saw it. I was like, people are shopping different dispensaries are shopping different. They want, before they were buying one flavor, they'll buy it 50 pounds of it every week, every month, and they'll run through it. And then they wanted more and more different flavors. And every two months you would go back, oh, do you have a new flavor? And then you were losing shelf life in that space, your shelf space in that, in that store because they wanted new flavors <clears throat> and <clears throat> the dispensaries is what changed the legacy market i feel like the because these legacy guys want to be a walking dispensary 
right? And Dispos is gives a lot of variety. So we always grew for the Dispo, so it worked out for us. So like by having 20, 25 flavors on deck all the time for the stores, just always evolves because you might have tried XYZ, but you haven't tried this, all right? So it keeps that shelf space, keeps you on the shelf space as much as you can. But that, those things take 18 months to come to life, right? We took 360 lights. We, we took like yield, 50% yields of what we took that whole year. It took like a $1.5, $2 million hit just in R&D to be able to create those flavors. So now we got a little bit smarter, we evolved. Now we got like a 30, 40 light room that goes strictly for R&D. You know, but it's a consistent thing. Every week you're popping seeds. Every week you're, you're breeding, you're sending out for, you know, breeder cuts, you're verifying them. They have to get tested before they come into your facility. A lot of viruses you don't want to bring in, you know? So there's a lot of processes that go to it that you got to understand the business the, and the mechanisms that go with it. And you got to respect them. You know, if you sleep on this business, sleep on a room, <laughs> it's not the best thing in the world, you know? You know, so it's, it's definitely having a good team around you, making sure that, you you know, you have a clean facility goes a long way, for sure. Yeah, you put in the work now or you put in the work later, but either yeah. way, the work's coming. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm excited about, like, the business evolving, though. I just think that the flavors have gone to like next level. Just from smoking for the last four years, five years, I feel like we're in a whole different world of weed. You know what I'm saying? Just completely. When I smoked gelato for the first time, that's how I felt. And I feel like we're smoking gelatos all the time. Like, especially in areas like when you're in LA, you don't you forget like the rest of the country also is part of prohibition. And like there's parts like in Michigan that are growing some fire. There's play play you know people in the Midwest that are growing. There's a lot of growers that came from out in the Bay to Oklahoma as well too. So they brought a lot of that culture there. Colorado is where I cross the line and say I don't know if they could ever grow fire. Like I haven't seen a lot of fire come out of Colorado, but. They do great with the concentrates. They get mad when I talk about that crunch bag, man. Yeah. I think they have. But is that me? Is I, that me? I, I think, think I think they got the concentrate game on lock. That's what I was about I to say. Think, I think they got they have some but, of the best hash I've had ever. Oh yeah, was for out sure. Colorado. For sure. But yeah, that humidity is killer. Yeah, bro. And I, you wouldn't killer. think that it would go into indoor, like because the facility. Dust. Yeah, new strain alert. Don't. <laughs> Get people worked up, man. Yeah. Remember this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little gust of wind. <laughs> it's crazy, but there's pockets everywhere wherever there's a good grower, right? And doing his thing. And uh I'm I'm I can't wait to see once New York gets fully operational and Florida, where like they're up and running, but really booming and kind of open market to like the because there's still guys that have been hidden away and hiding out or been doing their thing or would love to go home, you know, whatever the yeah. the scenario. I know growers all over the country that are from other places and they're like, man, if my home state ever went, bro, and I had an opportunity to, you know, yeah. and it's just interesting to see. And it's also interesting to see like now everyone's chasing their own seeds, their own. So we're going to have pockets all over the country of different strains, different turf profiles by different growers, but it's going to really be something cool in the next 10, 15 years. It's really going to be interesting. It's crazy. Like the rosin people, the turps, they like, Mm -hmm. right you think about the mimosas the papayas the boot smells like the rotten you know it's it 
And then you go to like different areas, like the Midwest, they like the OGs a lot. You know, they want the gassy smell, you know? So, and then you go to like the East Coast, it's completely different. And then you go, so it's, it's crazy. So when you were, when I was doing these breeding projects and I was looking for like genetics all over, I got to really meet some of the people that were putting on for their areas, right? Like, uh, cool, you're throwing, this is where this is coming from. Okay, let's, let's, let's see what it's all about. But that's where we cultivated the menu a little bit too. Like we got strains from like, I'd say almost every coast, you know, definitely. It's a well-diverse menu. Yeah, for sure. Definitely got a lot of different stuff on there. Um, Yeah, no, I, I'm relating to what you're saying, like the people in Maine and like just all the people in different parts. And they're like, this is the <laughs> this, you know? Yeah. And, and it's cool. It is cool to see. And we will see more and more of it. And like, yeah, eventually there'll be like a national, like, yeah. you know, head to head, like every, you know, state for state, like type shit. So I think that'd be cool. Now it's prohibition in every state. And sometimes we forget that this is the Mecca. Mm-hmm. California will always hands down be the Mecca. This is where the, I, I personally think the best weed in the world comes out of. Right. But there's other states that have adapted to it. There's a lot of culture, people that have left this, this state and been to others, have gone to other states and building on that culture. And, they're adapting fast. Man, I was shocked to see some of the states that came up like, damn, this is what comes out of here. That's insane. You know? So it's 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 gonna be just keep getting bigger and better. I feel like alcohol has something to worry about because wherever weed goes into a state, alcohol sales drop a lot. So, you know, I think that might be slowing down federal <laughs> you know, the federal process. But no, it's it's a better it's, it's like all of them put together, you know. Weed fucks up all of them. It does. It really does. In a positive way. That's the tough part. That's the thing is it's actually saving people from themselves. For sure. Who was that actor yeah. that said if we had stoner dads rather than drunk dads, the world would have been better, right? Oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just a trick. Yeah, if they would have just let that, yeah, run alongside alcohol, you know, 50-50 at best. For sure. Easy. You know, for people. You know what I mean? Easy. So, easy. <coughs> that's crazy to think about. Let's talk, talk about some of these yes. strains. You brought, I mean, you brought so many flavors. I mean, dude, and like they're they're absolutely gorgeous. Like, let's talk about some of them. What What do you think about the whole talk about classic strains having a comeback? I think that they should always be part of the rotation. I don't think they should ever leave, right? But like, there's got to like. Would you ever grow a piff for the Bodega Boys? Oh hell yeah! But you know. Launch in New York and shit. For sure. Without a doubt. Bring it back to New York. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I mean Piff's Piff's and I kind of still do the Oklahoma Piff. They're gonna be mad about that. Like, <laughs> we, we've been piff. holding down the Piff in New York. <laughs> it's I'm not getting, here. I ain't getting into that Piff war, but like it <laughs> is that. It's crazy, it's but a Piff war out there. It's definitely a Piff, but you know, Piff is special to New Yorkers. It's yeah, it's gonna it's, it's always I, gonna be it's like, gonna be like in the Bodega Boys, it's like you gotta have Piff. Yeah, we're know, definitely right? gonna grow it, but it, like we were talking about it earlier, yeah. like it's for it'll be for New York. Yeah, it'll be for New York when we launched it. It's definitely a sour too i had a special sour cut i still held on to you know we got a really really special sour cut that i held on to for a while we and we learned it too because that plant also you have to learn that plant you know sour and the haze and the cuban haze they call it right is is it called cuban haze or black haze <clears throat> both right so that's that genetics you have to learn how to grow mm-hmm. you know it takes some time to specialize in it because it's 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 different it grows different 
the whole ec- environment it takes 12 weeks you know we spoke about it earlier it's just it's a special plant you know and, and people <clears throat> if they're looking for bag appeal it's not there it's it's like another skittles right it's it's special but it just doesn't have the bag appeal it's not there but you think green weed's making a comeback yeah i think skittles is helping it a lot and i think like rainbow belts and some other really good strains that are out there that the 2.0 i like but i think certain strains that don't have a ton of color but have the terpenes are kicking right. the mega z i mean so many there uh, zushi blue zushi yellow zushi uh I, all of them are smoking great and none of them are like purple really you know or like right. like dominant not like an lcg purple or like right yeah i think right now people are i'm in a super connoisseur market like you said so is he so i sometimes have to get out of my bubble but i do think once people smell like a good skittles or a good skittles cross times a you know gelato or like a, an interesting cross i do think that like they'll be like yeah but it ain't purple no worries but it's still dominantly bag appeal yeah. because like we just did a drop, right? And we, we had some Zerbert and then OZK and stuff. And it was like, we, we saw what sold the most of and like <coughs> Zerbert sold the most, but followed closely by OZK, you right. know? And it was just interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, inter- I thought people would go after the, like these other ones. Right. It's interesting. Even like cookies right now. If you had cookies, would it sell? Because cookies isn't like maybe Forum has a lot of color, but Animal's not that colorful. No, not at all. Same with some of the other, like the Platinum and stuff is more just like a white frosted out cookie. But I like that white. Fro- I like really lime green weed too. Like, Do you think it's coming back? Do you think people will give away some of the bag appeal of purple for terpenes or for smoke? I think people are chasing really good smoke now. Yeah. And that that's going to have to change because some of the best weed is green right and if they're chasing smoke then they're chasing good weed and that's going to be green by default so i think it's going to definitely make its full circle back for sure i'd be like chasing the best beer in the world and being like but it has to be red (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like well no it has to be what it is and then you see if you like it yeah no but like even just getting judge off the taste and experience and the look it's just like but I will it's a bonus. Yeah. I like how you say experience. I love that. That's a really yeah, good point. That's what it is. But like some feel? people overlook that part. It's like, well, I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like experience. You're just, smoking shit that tastes like smoke. You got that yeah. consumer that says, I just want to get high. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Right. It just needs to yeah, get me. It needs to get me lit. It to me. Yeah. It's like, no, nope, two nope. different experiences. Cause like but that's, shitty weed experience and then great weed experience. But that's not the consumer that like, that controls the market it's just a consumer that's there right and that's what that consumer allows shitty growers to survive you know just on a product on a price part of it but good weed man it's it's it, it takes its time the curing process people just don't realize what it takes right like how hard it is i have i feel i really do feel like before i got into the business i smoked drugs and then when i opened up my cultivation i got to kind of see i grow medicine now there's such a big difference because facilities that are licensed that actually have to like go through protocols and cleaning things. I've been to some facilities that you're like, there's mold growing right next to it. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> but there's, it's, it's, you know, that's what's going, that's what you're ingesting, but you don't know that <clears throat> unless it's tested. So to me, like we have to grow differently. 
Like we can't put Eagle 20 and PGRs and thick in the bud and make it come. Can't do any of that. So that's why the smoke's always going to be different. You know, but you got to keep it as organic with no pesticides as you can as possible. Just because you're going to go through a testing process. If it has any metals or it's any pesticides, it's going to fail it and your crop's done. You know, so you have to go through right protocols. So we have more pressure actually when it comes to that side of growing weed. So I really do feel that prior to like getting into the business or going to really good growers, <clears throat> people that really do well, it's important. And, you know, those people need to get paid premium for what they do because they really do put in that extra 10 steps to make you ingest the most cleanest weed that's going into your body. There's a big difference. It's a huge difference. Would you agree? Huge difference. I mean, all the way back from when you and I would start to smoke fresh batches and realize there's a big difference also in just really good fresh weed versus just really good weed too. There's like an extra level yeah. where right. then it becomes psychoactive and you start to really get the thoughts going. And, and like he well, says, people come around and they're like, they're like, man, when I, when I smoke your weed, I get energy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm up, like I'm ready to do shit. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's what you want to smoke. If you're, if you're, if you're smoking during the day, you, you know, you, you're going to lean towards that. Or if you're just an active person in general, you're going to lead towards that. Cause you like to do a lot of stuff. Right. So it yeah. doesn't, it, it doesn't got to be an inhibitor. It could be an enhancer. It's just, you got to be a really educated consumer. That's education is an expensive period. I keep telling that's just like from experience. That, yeah, shit. for sure. And people are getting there though. People are starting to take people's word for it and then be like, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like fairly quickly. Whereas before they're like, nah, I don't know, man. Like yeah. it's, I'm this is this much though. You know, and you're just like, I get that part, but you know, um, what are you looking for in your experience? That goes back to experience, like it's whatever you're looking for. Cause yeah, there's people that just smoke to smoke. Yeah, for I sure. There's people that like smoke to enjoy you know the full part like even they enjoy rolling it they enjoy but the crazy at thing it, is as soon as you it, give those people that have never smoked a really good joint a fucking joint that like they, they can taste they smoke our shit right bro it like they're like they you're like you're like god to them at that point they look at you like yo bro you got that like oh it's crazy because you just open their palate up to like a whole different experience right so that's really as we get bigger and bigger and we'd to us, should not be $95 an eighth, $100 an eighth. No. no, you know, and, and these people, Hell like no. to the end consumer, I agree with them when they're people trying to say 120, 140, 150 for an eighth. Why? How? You know? And, and consumption's gone up so much, you know? It's not even realistic. It's an inverse it's effect realistic. of overproduction. So people are used to being disappointed so much that they'll actually hunt down the $150 eighth. They're obviously some marketing gimmicky. Right, too. of course, absolutely. But I feel like if you've been like, man, I'm just looking for some fire and I've been smoking this and I don't like it and I smoke that and I don't like it. And then you're like, it's 150 bucks, but it's super fire. It's the best thing you've had. All right, I'll try it. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, this. this is a very unique business too where like, there's consumers that will drive across the country. They will hunt down the fire if it's there. Like you build a brand to where people will seek you out. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. It doesn't have to be the local bar distributes your beer. Yep. It's like people will be like, no, but they sell it about an hour away. So we're going to head out there. Like we believe in re-releases, like something that we launched two years back. 
we'll bring it back on anniversaries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like a strain that we brought back, like was Wizard's Kiss. It was like a Jeff Fuel gelato cross with Jeff Fuel cake. It's a super gassy lemon, lemony taste to it. Customers loved it. And we'll bring it back. And that's the beautiful thing of like being your own, right? You're able to bring back production. It's not a grower that decided to grow it or not. I think people are really chasing consistency. That's what I've been really like noticing in the market space is consistency. It's like people will say, hey, you know, I smoked it from this bag once. It wasn't good again. People, because for the consumer, if you look at it for $5, it's usually like a $5 difference. They could be at a whole different world of weed, right? If they're buying a $35 eighth or a $30 eighth, that $5 extra for that consumer, you're basically in a whole different world of weed, right? You could be in some really exotics for $5 more than what you were paying. And that's not much when you really think about it from the consumer side of it. That $5 to the dispensary side of it is five times 128, right? So he's able to now buy better quality weed. So people just have to keep believing in the culture. So those, those people that did do the pheno hunt, that did do the breeding project to bring that new strain to you, they're able to keep doing it. Because that's where it's, what's happening right now is people are losing the heart to go do pheno hunts and to bring create. That's why you've seen a lot of the new strains coming in because when you go against the grain, it's expensive right super expensive it's just and you know, it's not a guaranteed win yeah exactly you so you have to have like a rollout plan and like talk about i want to get into a little more business yeah. advice with you because i've sat with you personally for yeah. hours and yeah. just question 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 and you you give me like gems nonstop. uh talk about um having a long-term vision versus short-term play because you don't do short-term plays i've noticed about you now you have to like like I said, again, like you have to worry about today because if you don't worry about today, there is no tomorrow, right? So build a plan that you know you're cash flow positive, but what are you doing it for? What's the ultimate goal, right? What are you looking to accomplish? So my first thing was, was, hey, if I don't become a billion dollar company, right? Um, I got six, seven dispensaries. I own 1,100, 1,200 lights. I own the real estate for the property. I'm debt-free. So I'm here for today and tomorrow, regardless if that check comes or not, right? So now I can work towards a bigger goal because I've taken care of today, if that makes sense, right? Because if you're getting phone calls for things that are not getting paid, things are not getting done, you can talk. You're not worrying about tomorrow now. Now Now your vision, your plan gets thrown out the window. So once again, just focus on being efficient, being effective, and then what you're not good at is what you have to hire for. Stop stop trying to make yourself better in a place where you can't make yourself better. Team up with somebody, hire somebody, focus on the your strengths and hire where your weaknesses are. Right? And that's really a big thing about it. You can't be everything. And if you are you're probably not good at everything, at, at anything, any one thing. So if you're good at sales, stay to sales, but partner up with a grower that's really good at growing, right? Bring that synergy. That's where I keep saying collabs. I want to see the industry make it. You know, it, this crunch, I mean, oversaturation of we, whatever you want to call it, has made all of us step up our game, right? We just can't just grow weed to grow weed anymore. 
you got to be elevated. You got to be. So let's go. Let's keep going. Whoever's going to keep winning this game is going to stay at the end of it. But like going back to your point, not to get off topic, but yeah, build a, build something that you know that <clears throat> if tomorrow doesn't happen, you have lifelines, you know, buy the property. That's why seeking opportunities and new states that are coming up, right? Land's cheaper. Opportunity is a sacrifice. You got to leave your family. Like when I left New York, I was doing really well. I had things really set up. I never expected, you know, to leave New York, but that was a sacrifice my wife, my kids, the family made to outsee this vision, right? So when you believe in the vision, you believe in what you're creating, there is sacrifice that comes with it. A lot of people don't want to get out of their comfort zone. So you want to be comfortable and you want to create something special. That's usually when not something special doesn't get created. It still gets created out of being a little uncomfortable. So you got to create plans behind it, right? So today we know we got those dispensaries. We have the grows. We can live at any price. So I have a, uh, like an, uh, I was saying my whole life, you're either on the menu or the table. That's, there's no other way around it. So right now I'm on the table. And, you know, when I want to be on the menu, it'll be when it's time for me to be on the menu. Yeah, that's... that's What's the difference? So, when you're on the menu, that means you're the one that's going to get eaten on the table, right? And you can be eaten at a very high price or a very low price, right? So, being on the menu is when you're not in the best position. Being on the table is when you're ready to talk with the bosses and to make those decisions to do all that stuff. The menu are the people that are usually being eaten by the table. So it's like you're either on the menu or you're on the table. So that's just business, right? If you're not <clears throat> going to make it, you're on the menu. Someone's going to buy your location, buy your grow, <clears throat> take advantage, take your customer base. When you go out of business, you're on the menu. So you have to be on the table when you want to. You could also be on the menu when you're ready to sell. <clears throat> so there's different ways to be on the menu. So you have to choose when you're going to want to be on the menu and when you want to be on the table. So that's, that's one of those things that we kind of look at is you have to make those decisions. Own it, though. right? I choose to be on the table when I want to be on the table. When I want to be on the menu is when I'm looking to exit at a high number. You know, that's, that's, that's when I want to be there, but not because... I didn't make the right decisions or I wasn't with the right people. Stuff happens in life. You know, you just can't deny that too. But if you plan it out well, you know, you have lifelines. That's how it really goes down to. Just got to plan it out well. No, but having a long business career and, and, and you've told me before that you've had people with you since the beginning of your business career. Talk about some of those principles in your leadership style just to be able to make that happen and just keep people happy and, and, and progressing. Because that's not easy at all. And, and the vision's got to be big for people to be satisfied to chase it, in my opinion. No, absolutely. I've been very blessed in that way. Just keeping clear communication. Communi communication skills are number one, man. You know, when you tell somebody something and they do it something completely different, it's usually you forgot to mention the details to it, right? So just... Like if you look at Maslow, the hierarchy of, you know, the pyramid theory of how he keeps people, you got to keep them trained. You got to keep, people want shelter, people want protection, people want to be educated and people want to grow, right? If you know those four fundamentals, they go on the same business side of it. So 
always keep them. They want to see a future. What is the company going to look like? You have to know what their goals are and how they align with yours. Right. And then just keeping the communication clear. You know, there's times that it's bumpy. There's times that you want to kill each other, but through a 20 year relationship, you have to kind of understand where was the disconnect and how can you perfect it? Then you'll see if it's a can't and a won't, there's no, there's no perfecting that. But if it's a can and a will, let's work on it. Let's perfect it. So my first thing is those four words. If it's a can and a will, I'll keep working with that person and perfecting it and <clears throat> getting them better and educating them, investing in them in seminars and personal coaching development. So when I hired people for me for personal development, I'd pay for my, my leadership team to get personal development too. Cause then I'm talking to people that don't understand the same thing I'm talking about. Right. So there's no fun in the room. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a teacher in the room all the time, which I am in a little Fucking bit. Right. Smart. Yeah. Right. So I want to be able to talk the same language as them. So if they're coders, I'm in a room full of coders and I don't know how to code. <laughs> what am I doing in that room? Right. So I felt the same way. So every time I take an education class or I would have personal coaching or development or I'd read a book or whatever it was, I'd make sure that I share those nuggets with the team as well to kind of get their feedback. And then ask, like, you know, we come in an era where leadership is different now. It's just not point your finger. It's asking questions too, right? What do you think we can do to improve a process? And just be quiet and listen. You know, bosses like to talk a lot. <laughs> they don't like to listen as much. So if you can just kind of reverse it and just kind of understand what that person is, you know, trying to say that they can improve your business with. Sometimes, you know, you'd be in a room and it's the littlest thing that you get the hint from, like can change your whole aspect of how you do business, right? Your consumers, your people that are customer facing, listen to them. You know, they're, they're the ones that are going to drive your success. They're going to tell you what people want and what's driving the business right now. So you got to stay tuned of what, where the culture is at. And then some of it, you have to drive the culture, right? Keep reintroducing new things to it as well, too. But from an employee st standard, man, just keep it genuine. Make sure that you're communicating. Keep that line of communication clear and push them, but push them in a good way to be better right? In all aspects of their life and their business, you know, and that's really where it comes down to. You just can't pretend to be someone you're not every single day. People don't want to work for assholes. I like having happy people around me. And then I'm not nervous or I don't get, I don't feel less of a person if someone's smarter than me and they're in my organization. I actually prefer that. I like having smart people around me. I actually hate when people don't fit the role and they're in a certain role that actually backs the company up. So I like having smart people around me, people that bring other aspects, different experiences of their life to the business. And I like, I like understanding where other people's thought processes are, you know, cause my mechanism, my brain works a certain different way. Right. I, I like reverse engineering things. So how, I'm, what I'm good at is, is I can build a plan but I can take the plan and build it backwards to see where the gaps and the holes are, where are going to be the problems. Okay. You know, that customer experience and the counter will be different because the space is not out there. Just basically be able to build that plan backwards. So what are going to be some of the problems? Okay. This is how the plan looks. If we went front, right now, let's reverse it back. What are going to be some of the problems that are going to be the problems that are going to cause the front to go back. So let's reverse mechanism, right? Let's reverse it. And that's what I'm good at. So 
I'll take my strengths and then I'll look at someone that looks at loss mitigation differently or looks at processes on technology differently or marketing differently or how to approach it differently. And we'll bring it together and that's how a plan will get real. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. That's a, that's a gem. Well, what's the hardest part about scaling a business and like how you overcame it? Cause like going from one store or a couple employees to a, a real team, the size that you have, I mean, that's very difficult. It's, you've got to become more, you got to believe in rules. That's where it comes down to it's just SOPs. You got to have technology in this day and age where we live. If you're not using technology, you're in, you're outdated. You know, that's really where it comes down to is technology. Use these AI, BI platforms, use as much technology as you can, even for growing. And I know people will say hey, technology, we hand water our plants too, but then we use drip systems as well also because it takes the work out of it, right? We'll check each pot to make sure that one plant wants to get fed more, the other plant doesn't, right? But we're able to see data to see, okay, how can we improve animal Skittles right away, right? Because that plant had a lot of, <clears throat> if I show you what it looked like when our first harvest to what it looks like now, it's because we got the data to really kind of tell us, okay, what does the plant look like? What are we feeding it? So use technology to its highest degree. Because if you're not using technology, you're losing, right? And technology is everything right now in business. It's, it's, a, it's the world we live in. You know, there's definitely advantages of using technology. You have to adapt early and initiate it into your processes immediately. Like the AI and everything, that's, that's not something to be skimmed over lightly because People think AI, it's like robotics and, and all these other things. It's like, no, it's like literally the algorithm. It's software. It's all the stuff that's yeah. on Instagram. People are like, oh, all it's these what's taking your all job. These haters, <laughs> all these haters keep reporting, getting my page shaking down. No, it's the, like that's AI technology. Like they, they've been programmed and it, right. certain things flag it. And that's why it happens immediately when you fucking post something or whatever and it just rejects it, you know? So yeah. it's, it's all the way from helping you come up with instagram captions to full copy for your website which we're using ai right now for the copy on our new website we're building and just just trying to implement it's amazing what it could do right in different ways oh it's it, it does the job of a thousand people yep. within seconds minutes. it's insane i'm a big believer of it so like I, I will always have technology integrated in every part of my business you yeah. have to adopt otherwise you're going to get left behind you for will sure. be the one replaced for sure so people shouldn't fear it. You should just uh, stay sharp and keep applying pressure. Because if you're not lazy, you'll always have a place. Somewhere. If you like lifestyle, you need it. You yeah, know, we don't live in the era where our parents, where we can work like morning tonight and have like I, you know, being immigrant parents, they that's the that was our life, right? Like they went to work, came home, and there was no real lifestyle. We like to go on vacations. We like to enjoy life work as well also nothing gets accomplished without but the balance we build build in life is through technology and these sops and that's why i had to kind of build like no sales guy i'm a sales guy right no sales guy will always will like operations because operations is a pain in the ass right but operations it's like let me give you a bucket of water right bro let me keep filling it up when, with water but if there's holes in it you can't put enough water in it to ever fill and that's what operations jobs is 
to make sure that that bucket, the holes, there's they keep getting closed, so the water that goes in the bucket stays in the in, in the bucket. That's similar to a company. Operations is what holds the company together. It makes sure that the company's functioning, that the, all the loose ends, that money that is coming in, theft, loss mitigation, whatever it is, is staying in the company. So you got to respect everybody's position because you're going to have sales come to you and cry that, dude, I'm your number one sales guy and XYZ's pissing me off about an ad, like, you know, a process on, on a step of it. But that's where you got to find it. Like I'll tell operations if, if it's not something that, that's going to tumble the company, hire the best sales guy, someone that could click two buttons on a computer because let him do what he's good at. Right. So that's really where I kind of work is just trying to work on people's strength and just really maximize their strength and wherever they're weak, I try to surround them around the people that can make them work better in a space. And same thing for me as well. If that makes any sense. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of gems. A lot of businessmen are taking notes right now for sure. I know I am. Yeah, it's not for, for real. What's uh what's the future looking like for Bodega? Bro, I see us like more of I see us in the clothing business for sure. Cause I was in that era in two thousand three to two thousand five. I did Von Dutch. I was with them in the production side of it. I got to see lines come up. Just have a passion for it. But <clears throat> more clothing. Obviously, a lot more states want to, you know, someone do some licensing deals. We've been getting into that. We just signed a licensing deal in Mississippi. That, that's how we got the partners on. But it works for both parties, right? Because if you're growing 50, 100 lights, you don't need guys like us. But if you're doing it at a certain size where you need business acumen, you need to understand what distribution is going to look like. One, one cycle could be millions and millions of dollars, right? So guys like us, that's where we, you know, provide them the services, the knowledge, the experience, the failures, the $2 million pheno hunts, right? We give them all of that to be able to be successful in market. Because when you're starting up a new market in the cannabis business, the first two years are super precious. That's where most of your bulk of your money is made. That's where you're able to create brands. Right now in this space, it's super hard to create brands because margins are thinner right? So you can't reinvest. Most companies have a set percentage of money that goes back into marketing, right? But you have to have the capital from the profitability to be able to throw that money back in. So when you don't have that built in your business plan, how much of that, like every time you launch a line to get a good price on products, you're ordering 200, 300,000 pieces to get a good price on it. Otherwise you're paying, the cost is just too high the MOQs, the prior process. So you have to kind of look at all that, but nothing's impossible, man. If you start with one product, blow it up, like you said, and then once you blow it up, there's going to be 50 people behind you. You just have to choose the right people that suit you to get you to where you need to get to the next level. Everybody in every phase in life can achieve the next step of what they want to do. They just got to put in that process and understand it and believe their plan. Right, because there's always someone. No one's gonna deny someone that works really hard, is doing their thing, <clears throat> right? And who doesn't want that? On, who doesn't want a person like that on the team? I know I won't deny someone like that, or even to work with someone like that. Of you course, know? yeah, it's like a magnet, for sure. 
you know to, <clears throat> you have to be able to do it so a lot of the stuff like we did in the the our previous businesses we're just bringing a lot of those fundamentals into this business right and i don't look at a lot of the things that people find difficult like bro like we own our own brand we make our own product and we sell it in our own store that's the dream that's the american dream right there bro like I, I don't know anything that could be more beautiful than that. like when i was under sprint they controlled what price plan when i sold it what where what plan but what they did team she was I had to know how to use planograms, right? When an executive came into our store, we needed to know like, hey, this price point has to be changed. The stickers got changed. So if you look at our stores, all our stores are built the same. So when we do a poster change, it's the same place in the same stores on the same. So we'll name it poster A. So a flyer will go out, it'll say poster A needs to be changed in all the stores and all the stores are changing the same poster at the same time. So, you know, taking those experiences, building it scalable is what I really want to do. Cause I believe that once we built a platform, you know, cause we're, we're not able to monetize yet 52 states, 50 states are worldwide, but eventually when we will be, we built a mod, you know, go into every state and give the same recipe, make sure that they're growing under it, give them the right technology, the right infrastructure to build a successful team and you know we're full we do it in every angle we build sales teams we have 440 25 stores that we serve right and then we have retail shops we manufacture we distribute and then we have all the byproducts that come with it from pens to to infuse pre-rolls pre-rolls gummies so you're able to do all that so you just got to step at one at a time, create a plan that really makes sense. You know, take an opportunity, take a chance. That's really what I'll tell anybody is just, <clears throat> it's a dream come true. You're able to create your own product, selling your own stores. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. Yeah, that is the American dream. And it's becoming a reality for a lot of, well, few select people and uh, the people that are fighting for it for, for sure. Uh, it's going to just keep continuing. Shit, man. Bodega boys. What you think? Any so shout outs? Pineapple yeah, yeah, definitely. Shout out to my partner, G, Sonny, Humble Hustler, Ooh, Mo, uh, Raj from Canada, my brother, Winky, my wife and kids, obviously, they're the ones that made Bodega possible. They didn't move. No Bodega. So, you know, God bless everybody that's part of the project. Kenny, my partner, my brother for life, and then Basquiat, obviously. Holds it down for sure. Hell and yeah. The team out in OKC. Ro Tulsa. Rolling out in LA here soon. Oh, LA's ready to rock. We'll be out here four, six months. You'll start seeing our product everywhere. I'm excited about the partnerships, man. Definitely looking forward to it. Thank you for opening the doors for us, too, by the way, guys. All we appreciate day, man. You. So you got LA coming online. Mississippi's going to hit when? Uh, that should be done by June. We should be Boom. fully licensed. If you're in Mississippi, line. check out the Bodega Boys June, summer. Yep. You know? For real, keep a lookout. Yeah, hopefully New York, New Jersey. We're in talks with that as well, too. You know, we just got to kind of see how that's going to play out. There's a lot of blue tape there. There's a lot of New York's got to figure out a lot of things right now. There's a lot of up in the air things, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned with that. But that's what, you know, that's what we got to go back home. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we got to go sure. back home. It's only right. It's only bring right. The, bring the piff back. It's going to be all LCG gross. <laughs> 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 piff times LCG. Yeah. Now we're talking. Someone's oh, that, already done that. That's, that's a crazy cross. That's Someone's a crazy cross. Someone's going to comment, I'm already, I'm already on it, yeah, man. Yeah, for it's sure. A, it's already PLG. been done. It's a PLG. That piff CG. But shit, man, we appreciate it. You're a fucking nah. legend, bro. Thank you for all that uh, inspiration and business advice. Nah, I appreciate just it, Just being an overall good, solid dude. So we appreciate it. Nah, thank you, man. I hope uh, people got some game from it. You know, understand that. Just build the fundamentals and everything else will fall into place. You know, get with some lit dudes and make a f- run it up. Simple yep. as that. And just so people know, man, like. The way you roll, we like on the off the mic. You had Katsuya delivered. Oh, yeah. We had a little crab bro does roll. Right. Woof, yeah, man, bro does I'm telling right. you, buddy brought, rolls. Brought a bunch of flour, and uh, oh. if you're in Oklahoma, Tulsa, or anywhere in the Oklahoma area, make sure you check out Bodega Boys. Where do they find you guys online? Uh, you could be on. We're on Weed Maps, uh, Google, all the platforms, Instagram. You could find us at Bodega Boys with a Z on it i know we got a lot of handles but the main one is just at bodega boys because you get cut off on instagram like crazy so you just gotta have backups to backups to backups it's insane it sucks website uh thebodegaboys.com thebodegaboys.com well shit man paris we appreciate it episode 84 bodega boys that was a special bro guys thank you bro appreciate it thank you bro yo welcome to the diamond mine the diamondmine.la california source for boutique genetics powered by yours truly, Blackleaf. And you know what that means? That means I'm bringing my best genetics into this. I'm bringing stuff I've been hiding, harboring away, stuff I haven't wanted to let out. We're bringing all that into the diamondmine.la and we're gonna offer that to California. Go on our website, hit the newsletter, and see if you can rock with us. Get on board with some of our genetics and change your garden. The diamondmine.la, powered by Blackleaf.